Welcome to the Butterfly Broadcast, sharing stories of transformation after pregnancy and infant loss. I'm your host, Bailey DeMars. Speaking of transformations, this podcast is brought to you by perhaps the most transformative product that exists for your skin, Promycin, an acne treatment that actually works and fast. My cute husband has had acne since he was a teenager, and this summer he used Promycin, and for the first time ever, his back was clear. I'm not kidding. I saw a difference after one use, and five days later, the acne was gone. Promycin comes from the Cara Poloni skincare line, and I love and use all of her products, including micro needle powder cleanser, nano silver spray, healing facial serum, hydrating kiss mist spray, and their lip balm. My favorite part is that every ingredient is natural and supplied by the wholesaler Bulk Naturals. So get your skin transformation started at carapaloni.com or simply just Google Promyosin. Hello, welcome to the Butterfly Broadcast. I'm your host, Bailey DeMars, and I'm honored and very privileged to have a special guest with us today. We have Gina Mundy. She is an accomplished woman. Let me give a little background on her. She is the best-selling author of the book, A Parent's Guide to Safer Childbirth, and is a mother of three herself. And for over 20 years, her focus has been investigating and analyzing mistakes that arise during labor and delivery. She spent countless hours meticulously scrutinizing childbirth cases, conducting interviews with delivery teams, and thoroughly examining medical records to gain an in-depth understanding of every decision made during labor and delivery. So this is very relevant for my audience wanting to prevent the trauma and the tragedy that so many of us have experienced. So I am so flattered that Gina will join us today. Hi, Gina. How are you? Good, Bailey. I am awesome. And, you know, I just got to know you a little bit during our pre-show. And let me tell you, I'm so excited to be here today. I love what you are doing. This podcast is amazing. You're awesome. So I know today is going to be a really good discussion. Thank you so much. I agree. And I'm so excited for this unique angle that you can provide our listeners about something, you know, mothers and fathers feel so deeply. So let's get to know Gina a little bit more. Please tell us a little bit more about yourself. Sure. So I live in Michigan. Um, I have been an attorney now for over 20 years. Um, As you talked about in the introduction, um, I specialize in childbirth cases. I got my first case in February 2003, um, and I've been basically obsessed since. So um, February 2003, I'd just gotten married a couple months before that. Having babies was on my radar. So when I got these cases in, um, you know, as part of my new job, I was like, what? Things can go wrong? Um, and then not only can things go wrong when I was hired in for my new job, I was hired in as part of a team. I mean, there was a team of us and all we did were childbirth cases 
And just so your audience understands, because a lot of people don't understand what my profession is. Um, You know, obviously over the last almost 21 years, I've said, yes, I'm an attorney specializing in childbirth cases. And people are like, what's that? Um, And basically, these cases involve the birth of a baby and something goes wrong. It's a mistake or it's a complication, but baby's not born healthy. Um, I have many cases where baby's not born alive. And I have some really sad cases where, you know, mom doesn't make it through childbirth. So I'm the attorney that comes in and to find out what happened, what went wrong, but more importantly, what should have been done so baby would have been born healthy? What should have been done so mom would have been alive to raise her baby? So those questions uh, you touched on, and I know during uh, the introduction, um, you know, they've taken me across the United States meeting um, with delivery teams in almost every state, every hospital system, hashing out every aspect of labor and delivery. So um, we had um, kind of this like near family, you know, tragic event with the baby. Um, it was my niece having a baby, um, the next baby of our the first baby of our next generation. Um, so it was a really close call. The baby and everybody is fine. It's actually the introduction to the book. Um, but that kind of hit close to home. You know, um, I had to listen to my sister cry for about 20 minutes on the phone when we didn't know whether baby was going to, to make it or not. And, um, you know, I've always looked at these cases like a legal analysis. And it was the first moment I had this like, human like emotion like oh my goodness I had this like connection with the families almost like this is what it feels like this is the start and it was just this weird human experience is the only thing I can describe it this emotional like I can't how do they do this you know we were all we could do at that point is hope and pray because you know no decision now is going to change the past so after 20 minutes, we got word that baby would be okay. Um, and again, that story is the introduction to the book because it's ultimately why I did write a book. Um, but I started to think, I'm like, wow, you know, it started going, going into, you know, I have three children. I have 19, 15, and nine. I mean, what if, you know, how I would prepare my kids for childbirth is completely different than how a family would traditionally prepare for, prepare for childbirth. So that just kind of got my wheels turning. And I'm like, maybe I need to write down what I know. Because remember what I just said, you know, in the introduction, my job's to come in and find out what happened, what went wrong, but what should have been done. So, um, and I've also figured, you know, these cases have a lot of reoccurring issues that are the same, very, you know, they're common issues in these cases. So I started writing um, a book. Um, the title of the book is A Parent's Guide to a Safer Childbirth. But I started to write this book um, in hopes then, uh, or to expecting parents, in hopes that they can prevent the mistakes, help prevent the mistakes and complications, you know, that I've seen for basically the last 21 years. So just to kind of conclude, basically, instead of getting involved after a mistake has been made, I'm trying to get involved before childbirth to make sure that these mistakes and complications you know, don't happen anymore. Because, you know, I know you know this, but the hardest part of my job, and we talked about that in pre-show, um, that's why I'm like, I know you know this, but you're, I know your audience is not. 
the hardest part of my job by far is the day that I have to sit down with the families and I have to go over the day their baby was born or the day they lost their mom. And when a preventable mistake takes the life of a precious baby, I mean, they, I, you, I, there are no words. There are no words for the pain that, you know, go that these families experience. So again, that, you know, that in mind, I'm, I'm hoping that we can, you know, prevent some of these mistakes and complications. Wow. Well, like you said, so many people don't know what you do when you explain your job title. And I frankly just didn't know there were people like you out there to advocate and fight for moms and families. And I'm so grateful for that because like you said, there are similar patterns happening. And after I've interviewed woman after woman, I start to hear similar things happening. And and I think the worst feeling that a human can have is regret. And mm-hmm. I think you help hopefully intervene before that regret has to come in. And, you know, we can learn from mistakes and we don't have to put all 100% of our trust in a medical provider if there's things that we can do to take more control, right? Oh, 100%. 100%. Let me tell you. Um, so chapter one of my book, it goes over the lessons learned from the baby cases. And the lessons are from whether it's the families, the delivery team, the medical experts. These are the, the top lessons you can take away from you know these cases. But lesson number one is preparing for childbirth, having an understanding of childbirth. You know, you you know, we're all guilty of this, but, you know, this mentality of bad things only happen to other people. Well, that leaves you in a very vulnerable state of mind, and that is not recommended on the one of the biggest days of your life. So the families in the cases, they are the ones that definitely, you know, I hate to say this, they go to labor and delivery, they roll up to the hospital you know, and they're not ready for childbirth. They're not ready to make those important decisions. You know, in a lot of my cases, the um, families are, you know, one decision or minutes away from a healthy baby. So it's really important. And it's not so much that everybody's supposed to be mini doctors or something, you know, of that nature. It's more of being able to work with your delivery team. I mean, remember, when you go into a hospital, the delivery team, they're responsible for helping you bring your baby safely into this world. Keep in mind with your delivery team, it's typically the people who are scheduled to work that day. Okay, babies come when they want to come. So having this great dream team, you really are, you know, you get what you get when you walk in. Now you get to pick your doctor, you get nine months to know the doctors. Usually there's more than one doctor, you know, you get to know the doctors in the practice. They are kind of the, you know, they're the captain of the ship or whatever. But unless they're taking a shift at the hospital, which is very rare, they're not there. They, you have the nurse that's there or resident or somebody, a midwife, and they're communicating with your doctor. They're not, your doctor's not at your bedside. So, you know, having a good understanding of childbirth and in your basics will definitely help when, you know, if you have to alert them about something, um, 
you know, my book also talks about the common, you know, facts and common issues in the cases. Well, one of those common facts in a case, a very busy labor and delivery unit. That means the delivery teams, they're running hard. They're thinned out. They can't give you and baby the attention you need. We had one really sad case where um, a mom came in uh, to deliver her baby. Um, they put on the fetal monitor um, to check baby because uh, remember the best because baby's inside you. The best way to know how your baby is doing is the fetal monitor. I mean, I can look at a fetal monitor. I have no medical training at all, um, but that as a childbirth attorney, the first thing I learned how to do was read a baby's heart rate. Because the baby's heart rate will tell you if the baby is doing great or if the baby's not doing great. I can literally look at a tracing and be like, or a fetal monitor tracing, and be like, okay, this baby's a rock star. Everything's great. I can look at a tracing and be like, ooh, um, okay, we got some concerns um, and whatnot. Anyway, so they put, in this case, they put the fetal monitor on, and there were some concerns about the baby's heart rate. So they do, again, babies inside. So it's not like mom where, you know, the doctors can look at her, assess her, talk to her, communicate, make a diagnosis. They kind of have to do these, you know, tests like, okay, how is baby doing? Um, so they did a couple of tests. Keep in mind, they're busy. They were reassured enough. They left the room. So the family was in the room. Um, the delivery team was out helping other people. And the baby's heart rate stops graphing. The family doesn't understand, you know, how important that is, especially when there's concerns about the baby. So it's mom, dad, grandparents, you know, they're all there, excited, first baby. And the nurse comes back in a while later and it's like, oh, the baby's heart rate stops graphing. Let me fix the fetal monitor. Well, they can't get the baby's heart rate back. So they call the doctor in and they do an ultrasound. And while surrounded by the family, the baby passed away. So that poor mom delivered like a stillborn baby. So, you know, it's, it's scary stuff. But if the family would have known how important that heart rate was, and literally if they had read my book, now my book wasn't out then, so whatnot. But moving forward, if that's a different family, but they've read my book, they're going to know if the baby's heart rate stops graphing, they are to immediately get, you know, somebody on the delivery team. Not only that, but there are different types of monitors that will monitor the heart rate. You know, they would have probably been, if they read my book, they'd have been like, okay, I want an internal monitor because there's concerns about the baby and you're really busy. You know, there's different things in, in the delivery. Okay. You know, um, you know, they'll work with you and whatnot. So. It's working, you know, my book is really trying to supplement and work with your delivery team so you guys can, you know, work together to make sure, you know, you have a healthy baby. But yeah, learning about labor and delivery, lesson number one, understanding kind of what you're walking into and how to handle those situations is beyond important. That's probably, you know, the subtitle of my book is, you know, knowledge is power. And basically that knowledge can help you deliver, help you have a healthy baby. I was just going to say the word that keeps coming to mind is empowerment. That's what you do is empower women to take control of their own birth situation. And I 
I was sharing with you beforehand that I myself am expecting next month and I am terrified because of my history, because of all the other sad cases I've heard. And I've kind of found myself a little paralyzed on on what to do. And sometimes I just settle to the, you know, thought of, well, everything's out of my hands. Whatever's going to happen, it's going to happen. But now after hearing you speak, I am craving, like I want to get on my phone right now and order this book off Amazon right this minute because I want to know what I need to know to make everything go okay that, you know, that I can control. And so thank you for, I just can't even thank you enough for being somebody out there who, who cares enough to, to prevent this from happening. Oh, you, you are so sweet. You know, I'll tell you, if I can even just prevent one, you know, all of the time and energy that went into this book, it'll be, it'll be beyond worth it. Um, so as a childbirth attorney, you know, I, I've seen a lot. I've heard a lot. Um, and basically for the first 18, 19 years, I seriously emotionally suppressed everything. Like I could say words people probably wouldn't be, shouldn't be able to say without crying. You know, it was, it was crazy. And when I made that decision to write the book and then I started writing the book for the first three months, I cried. And it just all came out because I had to go back and, you know, I was really trying to be like, okay, what are the common facts? What, what, what can we learn to make sure none of this happens? But that entailed going back through and thinking and remembering all my families, you know, and where are they at today? I mean, I've been doing this a long time. So, you know, they're just remembering them was it was it was very difficult in their stories and going back but it all came out and um you know in the end there was this clarity um that I did have the knowledge base to be able to write something that can help prevent this so you know I used that you know whole three months so it's almost like this catalyst that just fueled me to write the best book I could and so it was about 14 months, thousands of hours, but I mean, the best part of my day. So I, <laughs> I'm still a partner in a law firm. I'm a mom of three kids. I'm a wife of a very busy business owner. So to write the book, um, also it was, you know, I have to wake up at 3 a.m. I had to wake up at 3 a.m. I still have the schedule today because I actually enjoy it now after 14 months. It's hard to get off. Um, I go to bed at seven, if you're wondering. Um, and if I go to bed any later, I have to nap. Remember, I was wow. napping right before pre-show. <laughs> I told you I was napping, too, because I did. You know what? Today, I got up at 2.30. Wow. So, you know, I wake up in the middle of the night. Um, but I, you know, I'll tell you, people are like, you're not 3 a.m. That must have been so hard. And it wasn't because I just focused on what do the families need to know. And in the end of my book, the very last, so I did, do, I do my acknowledgments. And very, I've never done this before, so I don't know if I can read this. Um, 
Yes. And I've been, as I said, I've been on, you know, a lot of podcasts around the world talking about my book and I've never done this because I've never, I like, I tear up to this day, but I have a pretty long acknowledgement. And um, there's a lot of people that have stepped in to help me, you know, with family, kids, friends, bait, pregnant, my six pregnant beta readers. But in the end, I wanted to thank the, you know, or acknowledge the families. So I wrote, lastly, I want to acknowledge the families I have encountered over the years. Your stories have deeply touched me, and I have carried you in my prayers. As a mother, meeting you, hearing your experiencing, and witnessing your unimaginable pain have profoundly impacted me. For the first three months of writing, memories of your stories flooded my mind each morning as tears filled my eyes. I could not escape the emotional toll that years of detachment from the legal baby world had taken on me. It is through the journey of writing, allowing these motions to surface or allowing these motions to resurface, that I realize how strong each one of you are. I want you to know that your stories have fueled my determination to prevent such tragedies. May this book serve as a source of knowledge and guidance, and may it help spare other families from enduring the heartache you have faced. Oh, I did it. But, you know, this is, that's why I wrote it. So, you know, as I said, even if I can just prevent one, you know, it's, it, it was worth the tears, the heartache, the, you know, the everything. So, cause I, I do believe, you know, I was, I was meant to be a baby lawyer. Um, but it was never, I always knew I was going to, I knew since I was a little girl, I was going to be a lawyer. And then I didn't know what kind until I, you know, no one teaches you about this profession and I just needed a first job. And it was like, I got that first case in and it, I, that was, that was my calling. I knew it. Well, and behind that acknowledgement, you probably just see a flood of faces. It's not just statistics and, you know, and, and cases. It, it is faces and relationships. I'm sure you've had formed over the years. And something that keeps coming to mind is I saw um, like an Instagram reel that was talking about, you know, in society, what the kind of not what's kind of expected of women as they're pregnant for those nine months. Oh, how are you preparing? How's the nursery? How what are you doing to, you know, what clothes are you getting ready? When in reality, what really matters is, are you educating yourself on these decisions you're going to have to make in split seconds in delivery and, and leading up to delivery and in those moments after, you know? And so I'm so glad you're bringing emphasis to the things that really matter. It doesn't matter what color the walls in your nursery are if you don't get to bring that baby home, right? 100%. I actually, exactly what you just said, I say that in podcasts a lot, how everyone's excited about the cute clothes. What are we going to do with the nursery? And I'm like, listen, <laughs> getting ready. Everyone needs to get ready. So that's your, it's funny. You guys, you, you, you completely took my line on that one. Yeah, I, I say that almost every podcast. Oh, really? Like, this is, the most important thing is getting ready for that powerful moment to make sure baby comes home and you get to enjoy the rest of your life with them. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's just very, um, what's the word, sad to think that 
your message isn't more well known yet. You know, like I don't feel like it should be common knowledge, but you are helping spread that knowledge. And why I'm curious why this new information is just surfacing now. What is your take on that? That is such a common question. So, and literally the only thing I can come up with, and it's still the same answer as it was in the first podcast, I don't think a childbirth attorney ever thought to write a book because, you know, different than the medical profession, you know, they see the good, they see the bad. Maybe they just work at one hospital and they have their, you know, certain type of patient that comes in where I'm at all different hospitals all over the country. And, you know, we've, I've literally seen, you know, I've seen it all. Um, and I only really, you know, unless it's a personal story, if it's a professional story, there's a loss. So again, whether it's mom, baby, or a sick, you know, baby's brain damaged or something like that, there's some kind of, you know, damage or loss. So there's not, um, well, you know, I was on a team, you know, there's a team of people, not so much at my current firm, but you know, when I started there was, and, um, and again, that was in February, 2003, but there's not, I just don't think a baby lawyer ever thought to write a book. Literally. I wish I could have more than that for you, but that's it. Because for instance, I know that, and this is so important that the number one most common fact and issue in my baby cases is Pitocin. So I have seen the Pitocin inductions gone wrong since February 2003. So then I was able to take that knowledge and take those cases. And I wrote an entire chapter on how to have a safe Pitocin induction. Because while Pitocin scares a baby lawyer like me, doctors are totally fine with using it. I I always say to my doctors, I'm like, I hate Pitocin. And they're like, why, Gina? And I'm like, because it's in every case. Oh, I shouldn't say every case. Most, the majority of cases involve Pitocin. And I think Pitocin, you know, it's a cascade effect. It causes these really strong contractions. And then you get your epidural. And then you're just, it's, you know, and it's just, you know, and then how Pitocin is administered should be very individualized. But really, it just comes off of a doctor's order. The doctor has their order that they, it's usually the same for all the patients. There's the nurse who then just follows the order. And let me tell you that that can cause some problems. So it's really important that, you know, anybody you know, if they're going to do a Pitocin induction, it's so important. And remember, there was a, te- there, when I first started, there was a team of us. <laughs> That just do baby. Even today's aid today, there are this, the attorneys. This is all we do. Um, well, I'm not part of, you know, the same team or whatnot. There is a pretty, you know, nice. There's a, I wouldn't say there's a bunch of us, but there's the baby lawyers and this is all we do. So I'm telling you, they've seen the Pitocin, you know, inductions gone wrong. So have I. So very important. If you know anybody that they, they read chapter 14 in my book. Okay, wow. That is actually like my eyes went really big when you said that because I hear friends using Pitocin all the time. Never was really on my radar as a risk factor. So 
that seems like a must read to understand. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember. To... Okay. No, please. Oh, so when you walk into the hospital, you know, the first thing they do is start the monitor, the fetal monitor again, because that's the best way to check on baby. So if there's any concerns, you know, or let's say you're just going in like, you're not feeling good, you have high blood pressure, you know, something like that. But whatever it is, they, if something's kind of questionable with baby, and they're not like, they're not liking it, you know, you could easily be offered a Pitocin induction or a C-section. That is like a huge decision. So it is, even if you're not planning on getting a Pitocin induction, it's still a really good idea to have an understanding of what it is, um, you know, before the big day, because they, they do that all the time to, um, you know, to patients. And then my uh, I do have a chapter too on, you know, if you get to the hospital and they're offering you basically vaginal delivery or a C-section, you know, that's, you know, I'll tell you in the cases um, and in life with, you know, other people who, you know, whatever called me in labor and delivery. I mean, it that is such a huge decision, C-section or vaginal delivery. Um, that if you choose the wrong one, that, you know, there's been bad outcomes. So it's really important. It's all in the book. You don't need to hash out each one. But I I tell the story of three different moms who had to make that decision and what, you know, and and just literally like the different outcomes. So it's important that, you know, you go in and you have an understanding of this. And again, it's all in my book. So what you need to consider, what you need to think about um, and whatnot. And I like that you mentioned, even if it isn't in your plan, to be studied up on it, because you might find yourself in a situation where it doesn't go according to plan. And oftentimes it doesn't. And so you can't just go, oh, you know, I want this type of delivery and I want it to be like this and this and this. And that's that's all I know. But it's like, no, you need to know all the alternate routes that it could go. And so that you can make an informed decision, whatever happens, right? hundred percent. You're so smart. So I can, <laughs> I can tell you've been through this before. But, um, so in my book too, I go over how to do, like, I call it a labor and delivery plan, LAD plan. Okay. Um, and listen, if you want to do a nice, awesome plan and give it to your delivery team, that's great. Um, but in my book, I talk about it's more of the exercise of preparing your plan. So it's learning about labor and delivery and looking at your different options, thinking about things, learning. Um, So basically, you know what to expect. Because if the doctor gives you and I tell the story, you know, I had a mom texting me from labor and delivery. And she could barely communicate correctly what her doctor was telling her because she was literally in shock because, you know, there was, she wasn't ready. So there's, there was like this element of surprise and she could not focus. All she could do was start calling and texting people again from the hospital. So the phone barely works, by the way, in most hospitals. And somebody referred her to me. 
So now she's calling a childbirth attorney going, what should I do? And, you know, it, luckily I knew what to ask. The fact that we were on the phone was calming because I knew that if it was a true emergency, she would not have been on the phone with me. Um, but we had to kind of hash some stuff out a little bit. I had to call, you know, calm her down. And then we had to go through risks benefit, you know, and stuff like this. But, you know, she, for whatever reason, she was just having a very difficult time with the doctor and, you know, just, but it would have been, I mean, she was almost term. So it would have been very beneficial if she had been trying to get her plan ready, maybe in the second, going to third trimester, just of her different options. Um, and it's a, a plan. I mean, you can spend a month or two months making a plan, um, you know, on your personal preferences. So I do put in there like different things to think about for your plan. Um, but then I think at the end of the chapter, you know, I'm basically like, hey, listen, as you read this book, think of, you know, if you're in this situation, what do you want to do? You know, what type of fetal monitoring do you want um, and whatnot? Um, yeah, and I start that chapter off, you know, pointing out that, you know, when you enter the state of labor, it's like the one time it's okay to be in pain. It's like completely acceptable to be in a bunch of pain, right? So that takes you kind of into a different state of mind, especially if you decide to get medicated. Um, so you're, you know, you're in a different state of mind and you should be because now you're, you've got this baby in your belly and you need to, you know, mentally and physically focus, you know, on getting, getting baby out. So it's just, you know, it, it's going to keep you a lot more calm knowing that you're ready because your body does need to be relaxed because if you go uptight, you go into fight or flight mode, you're going to delay your late, you're going to delay childbirth. So again, very important to, um, you know, just get ready and uh, prepare by doing a plan. And I like how you said it's the practice, you know, it's training your mind to make decisions and to think through analyze correctly rather than panic and and like you said it shouldn't be procrastinated it should not be oh my due dates in a few days now I should start thinking about it or I'm on the way to the hospital I should google some things you know like it's right something to prepare for well so, yeah yeah okay no and so oh I just can't wait to get my hands on this book but what else do you like to tell people, you know, on the different podcasts you've been on and, you know, with your 20 years of experience, what is some key information you just wish parents would understand? Um, there's a lot. Um, so let me try to um, summarize it really quick. Um, so again, chapter one, lessons learned from baby cases. I find this chapter to be so important that it's actually on my website for free. So just go to, it's going to stay there forever for free. I do have another, I have a baby advocate one up there too, but I was, that was just a temporary one after a podcast, you know, I'm like, Hey, for your audience, I'll throw it up there, but I don't know. Everyone loves it. So I've kept it up there, but that's probably going to come down soon. Um, knowing those lessons is huge. Because even if you don't go buy my book, you know, each one of those topics, you need to know something about it. So whether you just want to Google it, you want to listen to some podcasts, you want to whatever you want to do, um, as long as you know those lessons, it's going to help you so much. So 
lesson number one, as we talked about, was the um, learning about childbirth. So then each lesson, by the way, is then a subsequent chapter. So while lesson one is learning about labor and delivery, then that means so then in chapter one, chapter two are the things I find important about labor and delivery and childbirth. So I can tell you what I find important is not what you're going to read in any other pregnancy book. <laughs> so but these are these are the basic facts and things that I think families need to know um, to make good decisions. These are the facts that I rely on when I get a new case in and I'm like, okay, was everything done right? Was it done wrong? What should have been done different? Th- these are the facts I rely on. So if you know, I think these basic facts. And, you know, I've read some of my reviews and people go through chapter two and they were like, we had no idea, you know, what's in there. And I'm like, this is so important. Why don't they tell moms this stuff? Um, You know, I don't think you can't even really take like a pregnancy course on this stuff. It's just it's a lot different. Um, So then you have your facts. But then you go into, we talked a little bit about the delivery team. That's super important. I have a chapter on the delivery team. What if you don't like someone on your delivery team? What are you going to do? Again, I help guide you through that. Um, Also, the next chapter is how to pick the good doctor. I have analyzed doctors, specifically OBGYNs, for almost 21 years now. Because I have to figure out, are they a good doctor? So I have this doctor analysis that I do, and I share it in the book with everybody to help them, you know, pick, you know, a good doctor. Because, you know, we have to figure out, is this a doctor that can go in front of a jury? You Mm. know, because a jury, they're going to like a good doctor. They're not going to like a bad one. Wow. So, you know, so there's all of these different things. But then I go into, you know, the birthing plan again. If you don't want to sit and hand them a paper with your plan, you can. That's great. That'll save a lot of conversations. They'll know you're, it's, you know, they'll understand what you want. It's a great idea. But again, it's mainly my point is just at least do it so you're getting ready. And then I think something that's huge, um, the next chapter is baby advocate. Um, Having somebody there who who can advocate for you or baby, because remember, you have to stay focused on delivering baby. You have to be able to, whether it's your husband, your mom, um, a doula, whatever, you have to be able to nod, like, let's say you don't like your nurse for some reason. Um, You know, you have to be like to give your husband the look and be like, new nurse, that way you stay calm and you know, whatnot. And by the way, if you do want somebody new on your delivery team, that is completely acceptable. You have to remember in these huge hospital systems, the other nurses, they're not doing the hiring and firing. You know, these are just so, you know, I I go through one case where there were two nurses. One was a 20-year experienced labor and delivery nurse, born to be a labor and delivery nurse, right? Chick was amazing. The other nurse... Um, she had just finished training and absolutely hated her job and was looking for a different nursing job. Okay. But they were both working that day in the hospital. And when the patients walked in, it was luck of the draw on who got the great nurse and who got the bad nurse who got, you know, and I, I'm sure I don't have to tell your audience which one was involved in the case. Hmm. 
Um, but more importantly, that great labor and delivery nurse with the experience, she can't stick her head in your room and say, hey, your nurse sucks. Uh, let me know if you want a new one. She can't do that. I know she would love to, but she can't do that. So, but what she can do is what she does best and help you once you say something. So a lot of times if there's not a great nurse, they, they already know <laughs> and they, they'll, swap, they'll swap them out. So it is very important that, you know, what, what not. But, you know, that's something, again, we're talking about baby advocate. A baby advocate can go do that. A baby advocate, oh, um, baby's heart rate stopped graphing. I want to see what baby's doing. Hey, go get, you know, baby advocate, you know. Um, but at the end of that chapter, I give the five things a, ba- a really good baby advocate needs to know as your second set of eyes. Because, again, your labor and delivery team is not by your bedside the whole time. So it's important that, you know, while you're focusing on physically and mentally, you know, working with baby here, that somebody else is doing some of the uh, the other stuff. Um, I go over hospitals. They're important. Um, you know, so I, hey, listen, I, if you have a high risk delivery, um, I suggest uh, picking your hospital and then your doctor. Mm-hmm. Um, and I tell you why in the book. Um, I go over then some fetal monitoring. Um, because I've had doctors testify, and the testimony is in my book from a doctor. The only way the baby can talk to them is through their heart rate. So, and then after that, I go through the different types of heart rates. Um, there's some really important things to know um, about the different types of monitors. There's a new monitor out. It's called the Monica. And um, in Michigan, there's there's just been some awful cases involving the Monica. Monica is a wireless um, system, a wireless fetal monitor. So you can actually walk around. You can walk 100 feet from your um, bed and baby's heart rate will still trace, which is absolutely amazing because it allows you to walk around and whatnot. Listen, if you're like a super low risk um, patient, you know, that could be a great option for you, but in others, it's not. And the problem is, is if baby gets into trouble, um, with that type of monitor, it just stops graphing the heart rate because it's like, it's like a Bluetooth technology. So they have to then, you know, baby in these cases, and there's, there's, you know, there's a few cases, um, and they're all the same. Baby gets into trouble. They have the wireless monitor on. Nobody knows. So that monitor requires troubleshooting. So they troubleshoot while baby's in trouble. And and so instead of moving towards like an emergency C-section, they're fiddling with the monitor. And too much time has lapsed in every case. And um, to the from all the cases I know, the baby's never survived. Um, I had one baby live a year. Um, that was awful. And then pass, but they usually right after they can't they go too long without oxygen, and it's just devastating. So, um, you know, if you had a different type of monitor called an internal monitor, now very invasive, it literally screws to the baby's head, <laughs> and there's a wire in between your legs, and you're not going anywhere. But if your baby gets in trouble, you will know the second baby's in trouble. Again, so if you're more of a high risk or there's some kind of issue with baby or there's concerns about baby, you know, that's really where those decisions, you know, need to be, need to be made. And in the cases involving the Monica, um, 
there were a lot of criticisms that there were concerns about baby and that an internal monitor, you know, should have been placed. Anyway, all in the book, just to give you, you know, and I give you like, okay, these are the benefits. These are the, you know, disadvantages or I should say advantages, disadvantages of the types of monitors. And then, you know, we talked about the next chapter goes into interventions. So, right. So in that story, I told about the mom who, you know, can deliver a baby and there were concerns. So they did some testing or that's testing or intervention, same thing. Um, but I, I go through the different tests that they can kind of perform on baby. Um, but at least, you know, that if they're performing these tests, there's some concerns. So you need to make sure that, you know, you're, you're talking with the delivery team, asking certain questions and whatnot. Um, so just again, being ready. And then it goes into the book, probably the most important chapter, um, in the book. There again, this is new information you will never find it, you won't find anywhere else, but it's the top 10 most common facts and issues in a legal baby case. So, as an you know, a new parent or an expecting parent, you know that if if one of these occurred during your labor and delivery, you know, you have this like heightened sense of awareness. Um, you know, and for each issue, um, you know, I'm like, okay, so this is in so Pitocin. So Pitocin, like I said, number one most common fact in a legal baby case. So I wrote a whole chapter on how to have a safe Pitocin induction. Same thing, busy labor and delivery unit. That's another big issue in my cases. So I'd say, hey, if you have a busy labor and delivery unit, this is what you need to do. Um, something we haven't talked about yet, number three, um, when something goes wrong, mistake, complication, it's always after, I should, I hate, I can't say an absolute, almost all the time, it is after mom's water breaks. So baby is in their nice, comfy environment. Usually everything's fine and they break the water. Baby's been surrounded by this fluid for nine months and now the fluid's gone. It changes the environment and it does. It just makes baby more vulnerable to something happening. So I tell you what to do, you know, with all of that, like what's important. Um, but, you know, one of the important things I talk about is if your doctor comes up to you and says, hey, I'd like to break your water, you know, you're going to respond to your doctor and say, okay, is there a medical reason you want to break my water or do you want to be home for dinner? Because in my cases, I've heard both. So if you want, you know, and let me tell you, it doesn't look good when they want to be home for dinner and then something goes wrong. So very, very, very important. Um, so then I go into C-sections. Listen, most of my baby cases end with a C-section. You got to know about C-sections. Um, and there's, you know, I'm not like, oh, they do an incision across your abdomen into your uterus. No, I tell you some uh, some stories and, you know, um, I have some crazy conversations with my sister I threw in there. <laughs> you know, uh, so it's... Um, so some some of that's in there. Um, and then I think I do C-section. And then I think I just go right, you know, one, one of the lessons, the last lesson I put in there is just that Pitocin is the number one most common fact in a legal baby case, hence Chapter 14, which then goes over how to have a, you know, safe Pitocin induction. But that is definitely the book in a very quick nutshell. Um, now, I did have six pregnant beta readers go through my book because I'm like, I don't want it to be scary. 
I mean, I've been pregnant three times. I'm, I also had to become very sensitive of moms because um, I do talk to a lot of expecting parents over the last, you know, 20 something years just because this is what I do. So I've always had to be a little bit more fluffy when I talk and whatever. And then I also, um, I have more, probably more personal stories in there with me helping other moms and the decisions we made and how their baby's healthy than, you know, not just because, you know, just to keep it more um, happy and then keep it more like a preventative type book. So it is anyway, my six pregnant beta readers were like, this is not scary. Um, they did have me tweak a couple things and I tweaked them or whatnot, but they were like, Gina, we're really just being picky. The book is fine. And they really appreciated it. And then all six had nice, healthy babies. So <laughs> success. Okay. Six healthy babies were good. It worked. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, so that's probably just in a quick nutshell, what you're, the different things that you're going to, you know, learn about in, you know, in my book. Well, I love that you said this is information you're not going to find anywhere else. And mm-hmm. what an interesting perspective that a lawyer is bringing into it because sometimes, you know, I question the motive behind other sources of information. It's like, okay, is the motive money? Is the motive, you know, there's so many different things that you're questioning or is it like why why am I always hearing about lunch meat? Don't eat lunch meat during your pregnancy. And you know what I mean? Like, why is it always the yeah. same information regurgitated a million times? But, you know, we're not talking about these issues that keep happening. So it's just so interesting that this is a totally unique book and so vital. And it's facts. Like you said, you're not just making things up. <laughs> it is no. cold hard facts that you can't change, but you want to hopefully change the, the, the statistics of. Mm-hmm. So like I am just so ready. <laughs> I'm glad you gave us nuggets so that we can go and read and learn for ourselves exactly what we can do and to be active and not passive in a birthing situation. Oh, good. Oh, you know what? As you were talking, I'm like, oh, I left out. Epi- There's a um, chapter on epidural. Oh, good. I'm glad because that's something I've been so curious to know too. Yeah. Now that one's a little sadder. Like that one is, um, read the lesson on that one. That one's a little, basically I had um, a mom that passed away during an, epidural and the family um yeah it's you'll just have to read it it was just hard but I wrote the book for her um you know her family um you know just (laughs) just because I'm like make sure this never happens again so that was um you know it was hard but I can't because it's a case and stuff I can't I couldn't talk about exactly what happened um so but I was able to write that chapter um you know for so in hopes that it never happens again. Well, and I do appreciate the sensitivity that you have expressed and that you sought out beta readers. But I do have to say, I think this audience being a loss audience is one that rather have the truth and, and not sugarcoat anything. Because I think now we, so many of us don't have this 
these rose-colored glasses on anymore. And, and when we see innocent mothers who think that the day they get a positive pregnancy test that they're going to bring home nine months later a healthy, perfect child, you know, some of us now are like, that's so hard for us to see because they don't know all the possibilities mm -hmm. that we know just a few of them now. And now, you know, we're learning about more. And so for myself, I like honesty and I like being able to see things the way they really are than how we want them to be because you don't want to be on the other side of it and be like, oh, well, I thought everything was always perfect that when you know, you get pregnant mm -hmm. that you always have a healthy baby. So now I think this audience is like, no, just tell me how it is. Tell me how it really is. So this is going to resonate. I can tell with so many women who oh, are in this position. Good. And um, also on my website, I don't know if I ever said, I don't, I can't remember if I said it, ginamundy.com, G-I-N-A-M-U-N-D-Y.com. Okay. I also started a childbirth blog um, because, you know, I would, I was reading my book and I'm like, you know, I really should have included this in the childbirth book and I didn't. Um, now, my book was divided into two. Um, I have childbirth out now. So my book right now is just on childbirth. And I do have one on pregnancy um, that I'm trying to get out, but it's very, everything's very overwhelming right now, especially in that, you know, just, so my goal was 2024, it might be 2025. So what I did instead is I started this blog where I'm taking, so if I forgot it or I need to supplement my childbirth blog, I'm doing that. Um, and then also the pregnancy content, there are some really good things in that pregnancy book. And I'm taking them now and getting them into the childbirth blog. Um, so then that way, you know, at least that information's out there. So also you can always check out the blog too. And that is on the same website, right? GinaMundy.com. Yeah, Yep. Hey. So you'll see like expecting parents, you can write, you know, read chapter uh, one, the lessons, and that's downloadable, shareable, send it out, get it out there. Um, and then write the, uh, the blog. And then, oh, I, the, you know, I still have the introduction in there. And I'll probably leave the introduction. The introduction is an interesting story. It's the reason I wrote the book. So it's a good hook. Um, yeah. So and your book is on Amazon. So I can include that link and your website in the description here for moms yep awesome and if somebody ever found themselves in a place where they needed a childbirth lawyer would they be able to find your information on your website to contact you to hire you or what's 100%. the best way well yeah, so they would just get GinaMundy.com and it would just say literally email Gina Mundy and the emails literally pop up on my phone. Okay. So, Direct or, contact. Or, you know, I'm very comfortable. You are so amazing. Even give, I'll give you my cell phone number and they can always contact you and then um, a cell phone number because I'll tell you as a childbirth attorney for, you know, this many years, I can look at a case and I can tell you right away. I don't need a doctor or a nurse or anyone else to tell me if something was done wrong. I know it immediately. You're an expert. I literally. Love that. That's so comforting that there is someone out there like that who just knows. 
So I hope listeners won't need to use you because I hope they don't find themselves in that position again. But also, do you do any retrospective cases? Like, you know, it's already been said and done and you go back and investigate or is it more actively actively happening cases? Yeah, I mean, everything's kind of after the fact. That's true. So, um, yeah, everything's after and what could have been done really, you know, differently. Um, so, yeah, it's kind of, you know, once you have that sad event, it's just like, then you got to kind of go back. So, yeah, you're right. Okay. Well, you're an amazing resource. And not only through your profession of 20 years, but through what you've chosen to do that no one else has done, which is writing the book, which is putting the tools in women's hands. So I am so excited to publish this episode so that you can touch more and more and more lives and save lives one at a time. So thank you for the work that you are doing. Bailey, you are amazing. Thank you for giving me a platform to help me get the word out and help keep, you know, babies safe and parents happy. So you, you are amazing. And uh, thank you. Oh, I'm gonna shout you from the rooftops because (laughs) I, uh, I don't want this to happen to anybody else. So please, if you're listening, please get this book. And please share it with expecting mothers or, or future mothers. Because I dare say it's more important than what to expect when you're expecting, because this is life or death. So thank you very much, Gina. And you and I will be in contact. All right. Great, Bailey. Thanks again. Thank you.